Israelites are in Assyria, held captive, and the Assyrians now want to take over Israel. They want to, you know, do their own thing. They want to bring people from other nations. They want to create a new nation in the nation of God. Can you imagine how pissed the Lord was? It's like, that wasn't the job. That wasn't the plan. You know, evil people are going to do evil, right? Like I said, they're going to keep, they're going to, you give them an arm, they, they take the whole evil egg. <laughs> um, wait, so... You know, the Assyrians start getting, you know, new people. And of course, those new people start speaking new languages and then they start building up their own new things. And yada, yada, yada. The Lord didn't like this. And like we said, nothing can thwart the Lord's plans. The Lord wanted to redeem his people. He did not want a new people to develop a new nation, right? <laughs> so the Lord sends lions to all of Israel to start slaughtering all the new people that were there. He says, Where did they come from? There's no lions in that territory. Why are you asking me questions, girl? The Lord can do anything. <gasps> Ooh. Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we getting into today? Okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Fun. All right. Call back later. <gasps> What? You guys, this week, we're going to talk about how change is a choice. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. Joining me another week, another day, another doll hair, La Clara NYC. How are you? Ole, ole. Yo, th there's this new position with the mic, and I keep banging into it. I don't know, but I was telling her before we started that it feels intimate. <laughs> it, it, it feels like the arm of this microphone is caressing my neck. <laughs> it's been such a long time. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to see me just touch the arm of this We're going to have some ASMR. Dude. Just some ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mama, how you been? How you doing? I'm good. Um, I mean, I started a diet. I told you before. We you started. started a diet? Yeah, two days ago. So I'm like in a mood. So you just starting? Yeah. I don't know why that word gives me PTSD. Yeah. Flashbacks. If I if someone says the word diet, ugh, even just the thought of it, I don't know. Here's I know, to the, but it was getting to a point where I had to do something. No, I, I I feel you. I understand. No, but I feel you though. Like I was the same. I you know I had some uh, food issues when I was younger as well, and the more that I grow, it's like it's not that I don't like care about. Like Yeah. I don't, it's not that I don't care about how I look or to have a healthy weight or whatever. I do it more for the health than for the looks, to be honest. But it's just like, I'd rather have two extra pounds and be happy than killing myself over losing two pounds. You know what I mean? Oof. We definitely have to, I'm going to switch topics just because I don't know what it is about food. There are three topics for it me. Makes you itchy, I know. Yeah, it makes me anxious. I already have a couple hives on my legs. I see you're, you're like... <laughs> twisting your toes right now yeah yeah it's something about it's something about body and food like I, I I'm I'm in a state right now with my body where I don't even like looking at the mirror like oh. I know you know what I'm saying I know exactly what you mean that sounds so lame and it's not lame but it's like we all go through phases and you know sometimes I'm so fabulous you are fabulous, and I don't, honestly, it's one of these things that you see because you know your body and you know how you would like to uh, look, but me, that I see you every single week, I have not seen a change. I have not oh, seen... Oh, I see it. Oh, you see it, because you know what you want to look like, but I see what you look like, and I don't see that you have put on any weight at all. Do you know what I mean? And I see you, and I think you look great. But my grade is not your grade when it comes to your body. I'm sure yeah. you look at me and you're like, you look fine. But to me, it's like, eh, I'd you, like to lose a little bit here and a little bit there. If I were to go on a diet, I don't know. I gain it fast and I lose it fast too. The weight like leaves from my face immediately. I know, I and I guess having a fuller face for me, I don't mind because I already look so much older. Like I, I've looked 30 since I was 15. No, I, and this is true. This is not a knock at me. I just... I think my bag is going to be trying to preserve this 
for the later end. Mm -hmm. I, I was never going to look young. It's just, I've never, I don't have those rosy, my voice is also low. My mm. voice has been low. Right. I just look more ma mature. I get it. I get it. But um, speaking of looks, we got 70s glam, uh, 70s situation today. I love this look. I uh, was doing my makeup at my new office job and I got in trouble for doing <laughs> it. You guys, please get me out of the office. <gasps> Real job. We can't is not take for you me. to a corporate world. No, please. I cannot. Like they're trying to suppress my artistry. <laughs> my manager came in like, um, honey, you can't. Like I was literally gluing a rhinestone on my eyelid. <laughs> And she was like, so, oh, yeah, no, this isn't really the most appropriate uh, place to do makeup. And I went, but why not? It's after hours. Anywho, you guys, please keep supporting. Please like, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends so I can leave this god-awful corporate job. Oh, I'm with all the normies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love them normies. I really do love them normies. When I'm writing, I'm What's writing. normies? Uh, nor normals. Oh. <laughs> Clara. Come on, Clara. Context clues. <laughs> um, but when I'm writing, like I'm working on a new thing right now, I'm writing stories about normal people. So... <laughs> I think it's actually been kind of cool. Actually, one of them was my coworker who's in a cubicle like across from mm. me. And I'm like, ooh, what is she like? She's this older woman. And I've just been loving the story stories about women, especially older women. They're rarely ever told. And when they're told in film, I find like sometimes they were written for men. And then they were like, uh, we need more diversity here. Let's just replace the lead man with, mm. let's just change the name to... Instead of Robert, it's Rebecca. Mm. It's like, hold on. It, it still doesn't quite tell the story of what it means to be a woman. You know, you just, these are all male masculine uh, characteristics, mm. which is fine. But what about the femininity of a, of, you know, of, of a woman's story, of a mother, of a, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anywho, so I've been like in this, this, I don't know, phase of my life where everything I've been writing has been from observing Older women, oh. Oh, and I love them. Speaking of, uh, happy International Women's Month, everybody. Women are so amazing. If you're a woman, we love you. If you're a man or a zan, give women something today. <laughs> give them flowers, money, attention. A kiss. D don't, don't do that. I mean, don't kiss stranger women. <laughs> don't go out there kissing strangers. But Please. you know what I mean. Please do not do that. I have a quick little anecdote to share with you guys ahead of this week's story, and I think it's pretty relevant. So I asked my mom a question this morning, and it was about the characters that we get into later today. Mm -hmm. I had asked her about the uh, King Jotham and the Ammonites from Second Chronicles and Second Kings, mm -hmm. and my mom responded with, <laughs> Which, for those who don't speak Spanish, was like, she said, could you refresh my memory? Who was that again? I, I just, I, I'm on another, she's, she does so many different Bible studies at her church that she was like, I need a refresher. I need a reminder. Hmm. And I gave her a little reminder. And then she was like, ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. And then she was able to, to help me. We'll send her the link of the episode. Right, right. <laughs> she doesn't watch any of them, but oh, it's okay. Well. Uh, I brought, I bring this up because there's, a, there's something there. Hmm. My mom studies the Bible for hours every single day since she's been saved again uh, within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. She was also raised in the church up until 18. So she has those little wells of knowledge to pull from. Mm -hmm. But she said, oh, I need a reminder. I need a refresher. I don't quite remember. And I thought, huh. Well, what do you know? I think that's going to be our story till till we die. Like the Bible is meant to be reread and reread and reread. And once you're done, you read it again. It's not something that you are one and done and then that's it. Got it. You know? And another thing that I'm just coming up with right now is it just further confirms that the Bible really is less about the characters and where they come from and who they're married to and who like if they were king or not or whatever mm -hmm. and more about where God is in the story 
the second I explained uh, to my mom about like where God was in this event or whatever. She was like, oh yes, I remember. Mm. It ha- it came like, you know, like muscle memory. I think that learning where God is in the story in the Bible is kind of like muscle memory as right. well. So I say all this to say, this episode is going to be one that's hard to splice. We've talked about it in this episode, this episode, this episode, this episode. We are splicing in multiple books at the same time trying to chronicle the story of the mainline story along with the prophet books that were written in that time. That can be confusing too, right? So I say, I want to give a a, a brief little, this isn't a disclaimer, just words of encouragement. This episode is going to be a tough one. And this may be confusing or like my mom, maybe you've forgotten some details of previous episodes. Mm. But if you're confused, fret not. You're not alone. Even biblical scholars uh, uh, need refreshers as, as well. We all need renewals, you know? And if there's something about scripture today or scripture you'll read tomorrow or scripture you read yesterday that confuses you, Pray about it. Pray for more knowledge about it. Be like, hey, yo, not a yo, but like, Father, (laughs) Father, I don't really understand right now. Please help illuminate uh, more of your messages within these words, within your written truth. Help me understand, you know? And if you are understanding, if you're not confused, oh my gosh, blessings, that's amazing. But ask for more understanding, you know? I just wanted to say some words of encouragement because I know that this can't be easy, especially for the people that are still trying. If you're showing up every week to Bible stories and trying despite your maybe confusion of the storyline, pat yourself on the back, man. You're trying. You're trying to get to know God in this new way. And I think that's really exciting. Even if you're not trying you're here and that says a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be this conscious, I'm trying, I'm trying. If you're here for whatever reason, there's something happening. <laughs> that is the Holy Spirit doing things, okay? Okay, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> and now we can now we can get into the story. Story time. Okay, this week we're going to dive into 2 Chronicles chapters 27 and 28, 2 Kings chapters 16 to 17, and then we're going to sprinkle in a little bit of Isaiah, just Isaiah chapter 9, okay? I don't want to overwhelm us. I don't want to put too much on the plate, okay? Here we eat like the Spaniards, little (laughs) baby tapas, okay? To optimize comprehension, all right? (laughs) So we're going to start at chapter 27 of 2 Chronicles. And Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, is popping, okay? And Israel is beyond the point of no return at this time. They're basically in bed with the enemy nation of Syria. Mm -mm. Meanwhile, King Jotham of Judah had done what was right in the sight of the Lord, even though the people in Judah were still following corrupt practices, like we described in Amos last week, remember? Mm -hmm. And in Isaiah. So he was winning battles left and right, more specifically with the Ammonites. And basically... Jotham became they daddy. He even offered uh, to protect the Ammonites, and the Ammonites paid Judah uh, like a bunch of silver every year. I think it was total for three years to hold him down. He was like, they pimp daddy. (laughs) You know, he really did. He really tried. Let's hop into some scripture for a bit more context. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 27, verse 6. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Lovely. And it's a quick chapter if you guys wanted to read Second uh, Chronicles chapter 27. Moving right along, now we're at Second Chronicles chapter 28. And a new king is introduced. Jotham's son, Ahaz. Now, he was the complete opposite of Jotham. King Ahaz was more like an Israelite king in the north. That's how evil he was. Let's hop into some scripture to see what I mean. Hmm. Second Chronicles, chapter 28, verses 1 to 4. 
Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the balls. Mm. And he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Remember the Canaanites? And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Y'all, did you hear this? We're talking about child sacrifice, like the original Canaanites that the Lord drove out millennia ago. Listen, Judah and Israel were almost twins with how badly they had distanced themselves from the Lord, which we know Judah used to be the more decent nation, remember? That's also where the Abrahamic line runs through. Listen, the Lord was going to hand the Judans over to not only Pekah, the king of Israel up north, but also the Syrians. <laughs> Let's dive into some scripture. Some scri- Let's dive into some scripture. Ooh, I just got the chills. Dude, because you're not only going to get it from Israel, you're going to get it from the Syrians. And remember, we learned about this in both Amos and in Isaiah. Mm. It sounds like I'm repeating myself. I sound like a broken record. I promise you, I promise you, I'm not. <laughs> or maybe I am, whatever. But the Bible does this so that you can see different POVs of what's currently happening. And by the way, I mean, we are pl- high tangent, not high tangent. We are plowing through these books. We've already, I'm, I'm pretty sure that with the book of Amos last week and the book of Micah, which we'll be getting into next week, I think we're at 24 books or 23 books that we've we've consumed uh, uh, since the start of the show. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Probably more, actually probably more. I'm I'm so proud of us. Anyways, let's hop into some scripture to uh, hear more about what the Lord has planned (laughs) for the Judans. Okay. Uh, We're going to go to second Chronicles chapter 28 verses five to six. Therefore, the Lord his God gave him unto the hand of the king of Syria, who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel, who struck him with great force. For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, uh, pin on that, Pekah was a king in Israel, okay? For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day, all of them men of valor, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Let's recap that, okay? What I just read. Right now, the Lord is going to, it's the Lord's doing. Because Judah has sinned so badly, he is now going to give in the enemy nations he's going to, call for them to be captive by the enemy nations, okay? And remember, I know we see the Lord of wrath peeking his head out right now. This is all restorative. As the books of Isaiah and the book of Amos and all these other prophetic books have uh, have revealed to us, destruction is coming, but it will be redemptive. It will be restorative, okay? Uh, I will also add that Here, based on chapter 28, verse 6, we hear, For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day. Now, here's what I'll say. The Lord said you could hold these Judeans captive. But he didn't say none of this, uh, like, slaughterhouse. (laughs) Like, (laughs) of course, of course. Here's the thing. We have proclivities to sin, right? So you give you give a sinner an arm, but they take the whole leg and the whole thing, right? <laughs> because later on in chapter eight, uh, chapter twenty-eight, verses eight to eleven, a, a new prophet arises, uh, prophet Obed, and he basically lets the the uh, Israelites say, "Hey, man, hey, man, these are your brothers. Don't forget that." Okay, let's take it easy. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verses eight to eleven. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. 
They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Obed, and he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand, but you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven, and now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves? <sighs> have you not? Sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you ta have taken for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. High tangy. So it's essentially what I had just mentioned before. Here we have Obed saying, listen, yes, we're fulfilling the Lord's uh, plan here. This is all, uh, you wouldn't be doing this if the Lord didn't green light this, you know? But bajal un poco, pump the brakes a bit, Okay. This isn't a green light for you to continue sinning or taking advantage of people. You, sir, you saw in one of the verses that they made them slaves. That was not commissioned by the Lord. You know, that's, that's what, it kind of reminds me of, um, like, you know, alcoholics can't have one drink. Mm. Sobriety is the only solution mm. for an alcoholic or any addict for that matter. Like that's the difference between an addict and a non-addict. Mm -hmm. A non-addict can just have the one drink, can just whatever, have the one hit, I guess. Addicts cannot. That's kind of how it is with uh, humans with proclivities to sin, you know? Even though the Lord mm -hmm. was allowing Judah to be destroyed by Israel, you know, their brother nation, the second Israel took it too far, he had to send a prophet to be like, hey, yo, pump the brakes. Hmm. It also kind of, uh, high, high tangy off the high tangy off the high tangy. Where's God in the story? Where is he not? Well, listen, I kind of see that the Lord is having mercy on them in a, in a way. Like, a lot of people don't st don't read the, the Old Testament because they don't like the way the Lord is presented hmm. or they don't completely read the Old Testament because they think that he's too violent and it's too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. I think that's more reason to go in to, to how can you personalize your relationship with the Lord if you don't know all aspects? If you don't know all aspects of someone, how are you going to marry someone and not know their their history? True. Whether it's ugly or not, it's be, it'd be nice to get to know you, to give you the choice, right? That is very true. And when the Lord provides the Israelites with a prophet to let them know that they're taking it a bit too far, wow, what a merciful God. You know, how do you, yeah, I see, okay, Clara, Clara, what, what, Clara? Nah, I just, but I guess that's my atheist um, point of view. I just feel like believers tend to do this thing that, you like canalize things towards uh, your belief, right? So to me, it's like the way I see it, God is not there because he like this is happening, you know, like in other circumstances, he's like makes a big deal of a situation so it doesn't happen or like punishes the person that is like planning on doing something. But now this is happening. So to me, it's like God is distracted right now. He's not paying attention for you. It's like, oh, no, he's being merciful. But I feel like that's, believers do that a lot. I wouldn't, yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten to that conclusion if I hadn't also paired this knowledge with the prophetic books that tell us why the Lord is even allowing this in the first place. That's uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, if I'm only reading Chronicles, yeah, it sounds a little wild, but I've also read Obadiah. I've also read Isaiah. I've also read Amos. And I know that the Lord's plan is to basically cut off a cancer. We're, we have to start from scratch. Están perdidos. They're lost down there. We're starting from scratch. You know? Yeah, but at the same time, don't you say that every human in earth is child of God? And he's just like, oh, those are lost. So let me just like cut them off and kill them or do whatever. He, he... Well, the Lord did provide them with profits and opportunities to change. Like I said, we have free will. Uh, there's this notion that God sends people to hell or that God sends lawbreakers to hell, that's not the case. You, sell, you send yourself to hell. And um, to believe in God, to have a relationship with God, 
that closeness is like the most love that you could ever feel. Self-love, love, love, love to others. It's literally a oneness, a connection, right? In case the whole idea of God is a little too overwhelming, that let me that lets me breaking it down for you. Mm-hmm. When you do things that are harmful to that love, to yourself and to others, what happens? You're corrupt. Yeah. You're, you're corrupting your situation, those around you. If you keep doing it, you're even more distant from that love, right? Mm-hmm. That's a choice you're making. Would you want someone to be forced to be in a relationship with you? No, that's what I'm saying. But then he's killing all these people because they don't believe in him and they believe in another God. So it's like, he's is ki- that well, really free will though? Well, why would you sum it up like that? Because that meets your argument. They're not just not believing in him. They're sacrificing children. They're Yeah, uh, in this chapter, yeah. But in, in chapters before this one, like people that were believers in Baal and they had like Baal statues or whatever. They coincide. They, they coincide. It's, it's, that, that, it's never just a, a one-stop shop thing. Well, first of all, believing in other gods is definitely one of them. That's something that's a tough pill to swallow. Yahweh is, not, unlike other religions, the belief in Yahweh is to believe in one god. Mm-hmm. One God and one God alone. There are other religions that we'll, we'll talk about later on in the episode that are a lot more welcoming and open to other gods. This one is not like that. I know, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and I'm sorry, I'm just no, 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 no. But is it really free will? Like, here are you, human, right? You have the choice of believing in me and following my religion and do as I say or the Bible says or whatever, like follow my rules and this. But you also have the free will to choose to not do this and do whatever else you want to. But if you do something else, you're going to be punished. But then that's not really free will, though, because if I know you're going to get killed, if I don't do this, it's not really free. Like free will is... Do whatever. There's not going to be consequences regardless. Uh, I think we're now getting into another discussion. Now that now you're talking about... Um, no, no, no. Now you're talking about... Um, uh, gosh. Gosh, Sam Harris has talked about this. It's going it's to get, get on my nerves if I don't get it. Um, not selectivity. You're, now you're getting in... It, it's something, now we're getting into another murky waters. Um, Clara, maybe put here what I mean, what word I mean, or what discussion with Sam Harris I'm talking about. If I find the clip, I'll put it here. So you're just you can't you can't step out of the stream of of uh, being lived by your unconscious mental processes, which are showing up as conscious intentions, emotions, moods, desires, etc. But the, the, the fact that our choices depend upon prior causes doesn't mean that choice doesn't matter. Choice is part of this causal stream of of the human mind and, and, and our world. So, I mean, so the proximate cause of my writing a book on free will was my deciding to write a book on free will. You, you can't write a book by accident, although some people seem to manage it, frankly. <laughs> so, so my choice to write it was one of the primary reasons it came into being. So, so decisions and effort and willpower and discipline, all of these things matter. These are, these are causal states of the brain that have an effect upon our actions and the world. So, so the choices we make in life are as important as most people want to believe they are, but they are part of the, the stream of causality. And so fatalism clearly doesn't make any sense. The idea that the future is going to be whatever it's going to be, independent of what you think and do, that clearly is, is untrue. I, I, you've been asking me a lot of questions, and I can't just let this slide. I can't not... Uh, uh, give you infor- biblical information, Clara, because if if you're thinking it, I know there are Bible babes in other uh, uh, places, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in, who may be thinking this too. I have some scripture for you guys. Uh, and there are countless different verses in the Bible that encourage us to renew our choice to choose God every day um, because we need to. The animal body, the flesh, the, the animal, the homeo sapien, we, if we're not every day making God a choice, we will go the other direction. 
we're very simple. It's that's just what it is. This is one. Uh, I just found it right now for you, Clara, and I don't know what it'll do, but maybe it'll do something for someone listening here on why renewal is important for any spiritual practice, more specifically Christians. Like it's a, it's, this is a, a from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses one to two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a choice every day. It's a, and you have to make it deliberately. Back into the story. We're going to dive into 2 Kings now. And Ahaz is nervous because not only are uh, Israel and the Assyrians tearing that up, like they are, they are, they are tearing them up. They are murking bodies left and right, building their own temples to worship their own gods or sacrificing children. Not only this, all of this is stressful enough, but guess what? Now the Edomites want in on the action. So now Ahaz is like, oh, what, what do I do? What do I do? And instead of in that moment, maybe, maybe going to God, maybe, he doesn't. Mm. You want to know where he goes? Why? The Assyrians. He goes to the Assyrians and bribes them for help. What? He goes, hey, man, I'll, I'll give you all this. I'll give you all this silver if you help me. And you know that the Assyrians evil behind, they were like, all right, give me it. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. And then we'll, we'll protect you if we take it. And guess what? The Assyrians took the money, took the dough and did not protect them. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 to 9. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pilser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel, who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Ker, and he killed Razan. Let me tell you something. Essentially, what you just read is the king being like, yeah, yeah, we'll help you, and switches, like, doesn't even do what they said they were going to do, end up murking the king of Syria, Rezin, like, evil is evil. Evil going to do evil. (laughs) Don't trust an evil person. True. Like, an evil person can't even be trusted with their own children. You know what I'm saying? Now, that is distant from the Lord. Anything that is not good is not of God. Anything that is evil is not of God. God has nothing to do with that, you know? And at this point, Ahaz sacrifices even more. He ends up locking all the temples of Yahweh, locking them because other nations are telling him, you have to do this. You have to lock them, lock them up. And then he builds up temples for foreign gods. Also that he, because he thinks he fears man. He fears man more than he fears God. He ends up doing, like, tail between his legs, doing everything that all these other kings say. I don't know. He looks so irritated. That's some, that's some, yo, if I I can't stand. That's some. That is like, Clara, censor that. All right, guys, it's halftime. And I am going to give you guys a very succinct example of why we read multiple books at the same time because this example I could not not highlight right now all right and it has to do with Ahaz and what we just discussed Mm -hmm. about him being you know what I'm saying okay so I'm about to read you two scriptures okay one from Chronicles one from Kings depicting the same thing regarding King Ahaz 
but one reveals something crucial to the story, all right? Okay. Clara, I hope you've done the stuff at this point. Okay, we're gonna go to 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 24 to 25. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. And he shut up the doors of the house of God and he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah, he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. This is the scripture uh, expanding on what I've just said about him building other temples, locking the temples of Yahweh so no one could get in. Got it. Now we're going to read scripture from 2 Kings or surrounding the same idea. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 10 to 11. When King Ahaz went to Damascus, we have a location, to meet Tiglath-Pilser, king of Assyria, we have people, names, Mm -hmm. He saw the altar that was at Damascus, and King Ahaz sent to Uriah, the priest, a model of the altar and its pattern exact in all its details. And Uriah, the priest, built the altar in accordance with all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah, the priest, made it before King Ahaz arrived from Damascus. Ahaz is a king in Judah. Remember I told you that right now Judah is completely corrupt. He's building these temples, but he could not do that without the help of a priest. Mm. Chronicles did not tell us the name of Uriah, did not tell him that he had that kind of assistance. It just said that he built up these temples. But when you're reading them together, you now know how he got that in. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was and, sending him. And you know something else? He, this is a priest. So... That guy probably trained other people as well, and that's how the corruption spreads. That wasn't denoted in Second Chronicles, but it's revealed in Second Kings. Mm. Does this make sense? Okay. I'm trying here. I'm really trying. But that was a prime example of why we're balancing multiple books. Capish. That's a good one. Okay, that's the halftime. In all seriousness, next week we're going to talk about another minor prophet's book, Prophet Micah, and he's going to expand on how corrupt leaders end up corrupting their nation, like a trickle-down effect. Like not trickle-down economics, just trickle-down sin. Okay, so stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to go back into chapter 17 of Second Kings. Here, we're introduced to a new king of Israel, Hosea, who is such a pansy. He pays the Assyrians to protect them by, you know, giving them a bunch of silver and talons every year on some drug lord type-ish, okay? This is like, I don't know, El Chapo, Pablo Escobar. The Assyrians are a major drug lord of... The Middle East, I don't know. Biblical times, I don't know what I'm gonna tell you. Okay, so one year, Hosea doesn't pay that fee. Biblically, this is called a tribute, okay? Let's dive into some scripture for more information. We're gonna go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses four to five. But the king of Assyria found treachery in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to sow the king of Egypt and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. The Assyrians besieged Israel and took the people of Israel captive, literally took the people out of Israel. Can you imagine that kind of wow. destruction? You know, it's confu it may be a little confusing, but if you take it little by little, baby steps by baby steps, you'll see the grander scheme of how slow this was and how, how severe that the devastation was. You know, that's why we're diving back in and out. And um, it's a lot easier if you're reading it. All I'm saying, read your Bible, kids. Read the Bible. Read your Bibles. It makes it a whole lot easier. The chapters will always be found in the description, okay? <gasps>
Well, what do we have here? The Israelites were exiled out of their own nation into Assyria, just like Isaiah's prophecy says. Now, if you're anything like Clara, <laughs> you're probably wondering, but why would the Lord allow that? Isn't that a bit much? I have uh -huh. the answer for you, and uh -huh. it's found in Scripture. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 9 to 13. I may skip around because it gets lengthy, okay? So grab your snacks and pay close attention. 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 9 to 13. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. We're going to skip to 15. They went after false idols and became false. That's a bar. They went after false idols and became false. Hmm. And they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of their Lord, their God, and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshiped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking wow. him to anger. And that is why this destruction has been as thorough as it has been. Just a, a little zoom in at the atrocities that they were committing, just how distant from the Lord they were, you know? Also kind of like out of sight, out of mind, same goes with, the, with God. If the Lord is not in your sight on the daily, where is your sight at, you know? I don't know. And also now... The Israelites, hi Tangi, now the Israelites were prisoners to enemy nations. They were held captive. And they were going to idols to seek some kind of comfort, some kind of solace, some kind, you know what I'm saying? It almost seems like they were captives also for like themselves like they were captives in their own their own idolatry you know what i mean not only were these the enemy nations who held them captive um, holding them captive making them prisoners they were prisoners of their in their own mind and we see here that the lord is having judgment over them those verses are specifically about the idolatry you know you are what you worship we're winding down on today's episode but we are going to go out with a bang because now we know the Israelites are in Assyria held captive and the Assyrians now want to take over Israel. They want to, you know, do their own thing. They want to bring people from other nations. They want to create a new nation in the nation of God. Could you imagine how pissed the Lord was? It's like, that wasn't the job. That wasn't the plan. You know, evil people are going to do evil. Right? Like I said, they're going to keep, they're going to, you give them an arm, they, they take the whole evil egg. <laughs> um, wait, so, you know, the Assyrians start getting, you know, new people. And of course, those new people start speaking new languages and they start building up their own new things and yada, yada, yada. The Lord didn't like this. And like we said, nothing can thwart the Lord's plans. The Lord wanted to redeem his people. He did not want a new people to develop a new nation, right? <laughs> so the Lord sends lions to all of Israel to start slaughtering all the new people that were there. He sends them. Where did they come from? There's no lions in that territory. Why are, they Why are you asking me questions, girl? The Lord can do anything. <laughs> the Lord is more powerful than Thor <laughs> with all five rings. Okay, he can do anything. What? 
He could have what? 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 I mean, what? They could have made flying octopus. The Lord can do anything. <laughs> the Lord can do anything. Honestly, your unbelief sometimes, it's just overwhelming. <laughs> what kind of question is that? So he said over the lines. And then news gets back to the king of Assyria. Like, hey, yo, they are lions eating the people up. We got to do a different plan. So then, they came, so then the king of, of Assyria goes, oh my gosh, that's brutal. Okay, never mind. We don't want to. We don't want to make their god mad. So can we just send over some priests back into the land to bring back what the what, the, what it used to be? Uh-oh. Bruh, Assyria is going to these broken, flawed Israelite priests to go back into the land to reteach the word of Yahweh. These priests, were, like we know about Uriah, were corrupt. You know, so when so when Assyri- when the Assyrian king was trying to mitigate the situation, he actually wasn't really doing much. And we can see it in the text. Like you see that the the priests start using a little bit of the word of God, but then blending it with what the other nations may find more palatable. Mm-hmm. Blending it in. There's a term for this. It's called syncretism. Oh. Syncretism or interfaith, which is the mixing of different religions, cultures, or schools of thought. It's the idea that the more gods, the better. Hmm. For Yahweh, it's a no. It's a no for Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh does not like, that's not a part, that's not a part of our covenant law with the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I also want to I wanted to highlight that just because I see a lot of that going on now. Like I see a lot of Christians who uh, partake in, you know, like astrology or they do like mm. tarot, they do all these different things. And I have I have friends that that partake in new age stuff and I love them dearly. They were in my life before I was a Christian and they're going to be in my life after, you know, mm-hmm. I love them. Um, but I do find it to be a bit confusing when you when you make both claims? How do you live by both truth claims? Only You can only worship one God, not two, if you are a follower of Christ. Who are you following? Not for nothing, but the book of Isaiah touches on this as well, hmm. which is where we're gonna, we're gonna end today's episode on a poem from the oh. book of Isaiah. Okay. Aww. It it highlights the destruction is so close. So, 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 so close. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 18 to 21. For wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It kindles the thickets of the forest, and they roll upward in a column of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is scorched, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one spares another. They slice meat on the right, but are still hungry. And they devour on the left, but are not satisfied. Each devours the flesh of his own arm. Manasseh devours Ephraim, and Ephraim devours Manasseh. Together they are against Judah. For all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. I mean, wow. Wow. Uh, that, that hits. That whole chapter, it ends on um, each little sonnet ends with, for all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. We're denoting all this wickedry in poetic words. And what makes this even more, you know, startling is that, or scary, is that so long as that wickedry and evil is still going on, so long as the Syncretism, too, is still going on. The Lord, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. That means that 
his hand is stretched out still, he's still going to dish out the judgment. You know, at first, when I first read it, because I didn't, you know, I, I read that verse two years ago, and I thought, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. I was like, oh, his hand, it means he's helping us. That's not what that line meant. Not in the context that we're reading now, you know? Well, we did it, folks. We made it. I know that was not easy. I warned you. <laughs> but if you made it to the end, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now let's get into this week's moral of the story. Moral of the story is change is a choice. Let me elaborate. It can be challenging to see where God is in the story when we're reading about a sinful nation's distance from the Lord. It's probably even harder when we read verses like in Isaiah chapter 9. For all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. After all these chapters predicting severe judgment over Israel, and now Judah, that wasn't enough, because the people were still separated from the Lord even while the destruction started. Judgment somehow made them fear man more than they feared him. Now, God oftentimes brings judgment in the life of a sinner in order to turn that sinner unto God. Hey Amen, it happened to me. I had to hit rock bottom before I started praying for real, for real. I'm not proud of that, but it's the truth. The Old Testament definitely spotlights the Lord's wrath. But let's also spotlight the patience. The Lord is patient and gives us ample opportunities to make changes that bring us closer to him. Remember, change is a choice. Change is a consistent choice. Ooh. Hey, Father. How'd I do? Aw, thank you. So yeah, about this corporate job, how long am I going to have to do it? You know, because I just think I'm way too fabulous for it. Like, I don't know, like, I can't do my makeup in the bathroom? Mm -hmm.